If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Hello. If you are into conversations that are habitually disruptive, welcome to Confessions of a Crappy Christian, the speakeasy edition. I don't know about you, but I am so tired. (laughs) Like mentally, physically, just so exhausted. It seems like all the time right now. I, and yes, I'm a wife and a mom and a business owner and a content creator. And there's all these hats that I wear and all these things that are required. And that's the case for, I really think most people, most of us are wearing a lot of hats and doing a lot of things and have a lot of responsibilities. Why are we so exhausted right now? Because there have definitely been times in my life where I've had this many responsibilities and this many, you know, plates in the air that I didn't feel tired in my bones. And I have some theories as to why we're so tired. And the only reason that I am sharing this is because I don't think we can get less tired or untired without looking at why are we so tired. So I have a couple of theories. One of them is the bigger, I have one kind of big theory, and then there are a couple of things that I think play into that as well, but they all kind of work together. This isn't it's not really a conspiracy theory. I mean, I'm sure people could label it that if they wanted to, but I talked about this a little bit on my Instagram, but the more that I've been thinking about it, the more I wanted to kind of flesh this out. So we are right at pretty much the three-year mark to when the world shut down for COVID. And I remember exactly where I was when I got the email that Pacey, who was in kindergarten at the time, my oldest, that they weren't going back to kindergarten for the next two weeks. And my husband never stopped going to work because he was in the automotive industry. So the automotive industry never stops. But I remember being with a girlfriend of mine, getting the email and us being like, oh my gosh, two weeks? Jeez, on pizza's a long time, right? And now I look back and laugh because it was actually, they weren't going back to school at all for that school year. And a lot of people didn't go back to school for a really long time. We were fortunate that our kids went back that fall, but that was really the moment that everything changed. That was when COVID came crashing into America and we didn't see any of our parents, the grandparents for a couple of weeks. We didn't really stick to that for very long. And like we did the two week shutdown. And like a lot of people that I know, after the two weeks started to be, we already had questions. Two weeks in, we already were wary and had questions and had our doubts about the way that this was going. But still, it's crazy to think that we are at the three-year mark of that because it was the beginning of March 2020. And I'm not going to sit here and get into all the ins and outs of what we've experienced over the last three years, but I do think that it is worth kind of taking a second and objectively looking at what we collectively experienced 
for the last three years, right? So it started as that we couldn't leave our homes. We couldn't see our friends. We couldn't see our family. And when we did, when people started getting brave enough to actually do that, we were sitting across, like down the driveway from each other or giving hugs through sheets of bisqueen. And we were scared to death, no pun intended. Really, regardless of your COVID experience, there was just these things that were generally true for all of us, right? We couldn't leave our houses. We couldn't see our friends. We were completely isolated. When we did finally get brave enough to be around other people, we were sitting across the driveway from each other or giving hugs through sheets of visqueen and everything was on Zoom and we weren't going to work and we weren't going to church and we weren't going to school. And that carried on for a really, really long time. And then it was masks and the whole hullabaloo of your grandma killer if you won't wear a mask and being assaulted if you tried to walk into a place without a face covering that the box literally said didn't protect from COVID. So we went through that wave. And then we hit the vaccine, which that's freaking crazy town to really think about. That by 2021, they're telling us if you don't take part in this medical experiment, you're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your livelihood. You had people deciding they didn't want to be friends with you. You had family uninviting you to Christmas and Thanksgiving if you wouldn't get this experimental shot. And I have no, I have, there's no shade towards people who got it because I know so many people who got it because they really believed in it and continue to this day to believe in it. And there are people who got it because they had to, because they didn't have a choice. It was either get this experimental shot or lose your livelihood. And then you had people who just didn't really care, who got it because it was a matter of convenience. And I really, at this point in my life, don't hold any judgment towards any of that. Because I really do understand it, at least to a degree. I mean, my husband, his job was on the line and we lost friendships. We lost really close friendships because of the vaccine, ultimately. And that went on for such a long time. Honestly, for some people, it's still going on. And add on top of that, the lies and the gaslighting from the government and gosh, all the stuff about ivermectin and how it's horse paced. And now they're kind of having to admit that it worked or the lab leak, all of that stuff, like just COVID in a microcosm, it is actually insane what we have gone through over the last three years. And that's just COVID. Like that's just that one facet of life because life kept going. Life kept going on. We kept growing and changing and having experiences and therefore incurring trauma. So you had normal day-to-day life trauma compounded by One of the craziest times in history, I I often compare it to like, I have to imagine this was a little bit what going through World War II was like, except you, you weren't necessarily sending people off to war. You were sending them, your loved ones to hospitals as healthcare workers and first responders. But that's a lot of trauma. And it was so drawn out by the government. And look, if you're listening to this and you trust the government and you think the government has your best interest in mind, that's totally fine. But this was really drawn out by the government and it was collective trauma. I really do believe that. It was collective trauma that we all went through from locking us in our homes to forcing us to wear masks to forced vaccination to, oh, just kidding, we can't force you to get the vaccine even though a lot of people had already gotten it and you're going to lose your job and you lost friends, like just so much trauma. And I think, this is just a theory, three years later, many of us, maybe not all of us, but many of us are starting to 
come out of the COVID fog, out of this kind of lurking cloud that was always reminding us what was going on. I mean, remember the little ticker that would tell you how many people had died of COVID and we just were all obsessively watching it? Like that was crazy. That was crazy to collectively all go through that together. And so I really think that we're coming out of it a little bit, right? The government and, and Joe Biden have decided COVID's over. We're not going to make you get the vaccine. Not only we're we not going to make you get the vaccine, we're going to start kind of a little bit admitting that maybe it didn't work the way we said it would. And there's this phenomenon of after you come out of trauma and you realize that you're safe, you get really, really tired. You literally physically just want to sleep all the time and don't want to do anything and you don't have any brain power and you don't have any physical energy. If you're not familiar with how cortisol works in your body, which I'm not a professional by any means, but during trauma, the cortisol in your body helps you desensitize so that you feel less pain. It increases short-term memory function. It's like this quick energy boost. I really wonder if all of us haven't just been functioning off of cortisol and adrenaline and fight or flight for the last three years. And now that kind of that fog or that weight is lifting a little bit, we're all just freaking exhausted. Because look around you. Doesn't it seem like every the real life people, I'm not talking about the media, everybody's tired right? Like restaurant workers are tired. Healthcare workers are tired. Moms are exhausted. Dads are tired. Kids are tired. Maybe we're exhausted because we just walked through three years of collective trauma and gaslighting and now we're catching our breath a little bit and so we're just exhausted. Compound that with the fact that we live in a culture largely for those who live in Western civilization with literally no off switch. I've talked about hustle culture a lot in the past and it's in my book and everything, but the further I get away from it, the more I realize that that is American culture. American culture and being an American is essentially synonymous with hustle culture at this point. We run ourselves absolutely ragged. We have the most insane schedules. We are overconnected. We are Victim to urgency culture, we are having to answer everything at all times and do everything and do it really well. And then again, we find ourselves looking around going, Why am I so tired? I don't know, Linda. Maybe because you haven't had a weekend off to just sit on your couch in like six months. Maybe because every night of the week you are running kids to a different practice or rehearsal or event. And then you're doing games on the weekend. Like, this is a hot take, and I genuinely don't mean to hurt people's feelings, but I really do believe that travel ball and travel sports is ruining American families. And I know, I know it's a hot take, and I'm stepping on toes, but the likelihood that your kid is gonna be an Olympian or play in the MLB are slim. And honestly, at this point, knowing what we know, about what those people go through and the lives that those people lead. Is that, is that what I want for my kid? It's not for me. I want my kids to be good at something. I want my kids to have an outlet. But like my kids aren't going to the Olympics because I don't want to hand them over to someone that's going to abuse them or exploit them or tell them that their entire identity is wrapped up in 
how good they can do a dismount off of the beam. Like it's just not, that's not the priority for me, for my kids. And so I think that you put together the trauma that we lived through over the last three years and how much life has sped up in the last really five, 10 years. We're just going at this insane, families are going at this insane breakneck speed. And then we have nothing left to give. We have nothing left to give. And we're so bone tired that we literally can't even do anything about it. And then add on top of that, like the food that we're eating, it's killing us slowly but surely. It's trash. I accidentally went down the the gluten rabbit hole, y'all. And I realized that a lot of you got there before me. And you probably tried to tell me, you know, had to get there on my own, just like you have to get there on your own. But once you find out what the government has been doing to our wheat supply in order to have a higher yield, and that the modern day wheat, which is therefore gluten, produces opioid peptides in your body, which bind to the opioid receptors in your brain and are as addictive as as drugs, like gluten is as addictive for people as crack cocaine and actually is an appetite stimulant and makes you want to eat more. It just all starts to come together. And here's why this is so important to me. I'm going to get into the changes that I think we can make that are actually pretty small and relatively easy to make to maybe get less tired. So this conversation of the government doesn't care about you is actually as important to me as it is because I've watched over the last three years this pipeline kind of develop from figuring out the government doesn't care about you to figuring out that God does. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, but I've watched so many people that I know that I was doing life with before that fully trusted the government, did what they told them to, you know, thought the CDC was a trustworthy source of information, started to realize they weren't, started asking some questions, and I was kind of there to, hey, yeah, let's talk about this. Those questions are legitimate. Here's the other side of the coin. And they almost always went from questions about the government to questions about what is truth, what is true, what is available to me, and then the door is wide open to introduce them to this God that radically changed your life, that provides everything that you need, that is everything, that is trustworthy, that is a covering and a fortress worth being under. And I know some people listen to that and think that it's predatory. And you know what? If that's how you feel about people who believe in something that has changed their lives and wanting to bring them into it, then that's fine. I hope you hold that same energy for people who, like I was just saying, get off gluten and have a really radical experience and think that everybody around them should get off of gluten. Like if we're not allowed to proselytize anything, then we need to be able to not proselytize anything. Because the thing that I'm never going to shut up about is how God changed my life, pulled me out of the grave, gave me more than I could have ever deserved. And that pipeline from having questions about the government to having questions about God is a pretty straight shot. And so I'm going to keep talking about, hey guys, this stuff is sketchy. Ask some questions because I know where it leads. So that's just a little caveat that I've been wanting to talk about that I think that this is worth talking about because questions beget questions. And if we're there to answer them, then 
you know, the harvest is plentiful. So anyway, let's get back to talking about being tired because we're all just bone dead, exhausted, tired, in part because of collective COVID trauma, in part because we live in a society that makes us go a million miles an hour if we want to keep up, and in part because our food is trash. I'm not going to tell you how to eat. I'm not a medical professional. I'm not a nutritionist. I'm just a woman and a mom trying to figure out how to put the best things in our bodies. We just cut gluten out just a month ago, really, and it's been a pretty radical transition for us. And we've, we've seen the benefits, but I did a lot of research before. But I do think healing from collective trauma and getting out of hustle culture, the answer, quote unquote, to both of those things, a lot of them are the same. A lot of them require slowing down, being mindful, chilling out, changing your priorities. And so in the last, really the last year since Jeremy left his job, we've made some pretty radical changes in our lifestyle. And I'm not, I'm genuinely not sharing these things from a place of look at what we've done. We're doing it so much better than anyone. It's, this is just what has worked for us. And I'm not giving some kind of formula or prescription to changing your life. I'm simply sharing an experience and you take from it what you feel like is for you. So in our journey towards a slower life, when Jeremy left his job, one of the very first things we did was we pretty much cleared our schedule. We massively slowed down our schedule. Before he came home, the girls had some kind of extracurricular, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We were going to events on the weekends, even good things, you know, double dates and going out and doing stuff. And I don't think there's anything wrong with any of that. But if you don't have a single night of your week where your family can just be home and be together, that might be worth looking at. And none of this is coming from a place of judgment. And I'm going to keep qualifying because I know that this is touchy and has the potential to hurt people's feelings. And that's just so I'm not one of those people that's coming out going, you're doing this wrong and here's the way you need to do it right. This is genuinely coming from a place of like, I care about you and I care about us and these are the changes we've made. Maybe you need to start saying no to some stuff. Maybe your kid doesn't need to do three different extracurriculars. And I know if you have three kids and each kid does one, that's three nights right there. If you don't have a single night together where y'all can snuggle up on the couch and watch a movie and be together, maybe just prioritize that. One night. I'm not saying you need to clear your schedule and not ever do anything. One night together a week. Maybe that could be a new goal. Maybe you need to stop saying yes to every invitation. Not every good thing that comes your way is for you. Maybe every dinner and every event and every party, maybe they're not all for you. Maybe you need to slow down and get off autopilot a little bit enough to look at the things that are coming into your orbit and go, ah, that's a great invitation, but that's just not, not really where we're at right now. And not be worried that people are going to think you're rude for saying no or that you're lame or that you're going to lose friends. Because if you're going to lose friends over prioritizing your family, are those really the people you wanted in your life in the first place? Just a, just a question worth asking. I really believe in community and I believe in being together and I believe in being intentional about it. But again, this isn't every single weekend. Your weekend is packed to the gills. 
maybe you start with one night a week of trying to clear out your schedule and then you bump that up to one night a week and one weekend a month. We don't do anything. We stay home and we do laundry and we do projects around the house and we go for walks and we spend time together. And you may find that y'all start getting to know each other again and really enjoying being together. And then you can start prioritizing it even more. And that really lends itself to how we as a society have got to start letting our kids be kids more. Unfortunately, our current reality is that we cannot be the parents that we had where you say, all right, take your bike, hit the road. I don't want to see you unless there's blood or somebody's really hurt. Be home by the, by the time the streetlights are on. That's just not our reality anymore. It's not an option. There's, we know too much. There's too much evil out in the world. But I think that was the beginning of a very slippery slope that started robbing our children of their childhood. And again, this is not coming from a place of judgment. This is not coming from a place of we do it better because there are certainly so many areas of parenting that we could be far superior at. We are very aware of that. We are doing the best with what we've got. But I can tell you that the girls have one extracurricular a week. And otherwise, they're just kids. They come home and they play and they build and they create and they use their imaginations. And they have bonded and formed this really incredible sister relationship. It's allowed us to get to know them better. They do chores and they help around the house and they play with their friends and they play by themselves. And what's really wild is how hard the parents of today have to work to just let our kids be kids. Our kids don't have any kind of phones. They both have little Kindles that are on crazy like parental control lockdown that they have very limited screen time with. We really largely watch only like the classics. We have a Disney Plus subscription. I know. Burn me at the stake. So that our kids can watch things like The Old Parent Trap or Pollyanna or, oh my gosh, have you seen That Darn Cat? Because that is a classic. That's such a great classic movie. So our kids aren't being inundated by media that has gender ideologies that we're having to navigate with them, at least not yet. And we know that we will have that conversation, but they are five and eight, okay? We will have the sexuality conversation when we talk to our kids about the birds and the bees, when it's time and when that's appropriate on our timeline and not a federal one. We also let our kids be bored. Like, it's not my job to entertain you all the time. If you can't come up with something with the tools that you have, then you can be bored. Go read a book. The amount of pressure on parents, and I would even say specifically on moms, to entertain our children constantly because we can't just send them outside and out into the world is killing us. And I lived that for a really long time. For the early years of my kids' lives, I struggled with an immense amount of shame and guilt if I wasn't on the floor playing with them. That's crazy. Like, we wonder why kids have no imagination and no capacity to take care of themselves or why we're sending, you know, why we're having failure to launch with these adults. And it's because we didn't let them be bored and therefore learn independence. I think we just need to change our priorities and also be honest about what is important to us because however you're defining success and however you're defining your priorities is what is dictating your life. 
So if the most important thing to you is that your kids are incredible baseball players, that's going to be evident in your life. And that's fine. If that's the decision that you want to make, genuinely, no judgment. You just need to know the decision that you're making. If the most important thing to you is that your kids are academic scholars, then you're going to spend all afternoon doing homework with them and studying. And that's fine. We do homework. We study. But I also want my kids to be kids. And so we live our life in a way that is according to that. And I realize that it may sound like I've lost the thread here, but I really do feel like it's actually woven throughout the entire conversation. Because as believers, specifically, like this is speaking to Christians, does our life look different than the world's? Or does it look exactly the same? Is it indistinguishable from the people that we're hopefully doing life with that don't love Jesus? Or does our life look exactly the same as theirs? And there is no difference. Because the hope is that you're doing life with people who don't know the goodness of God and they see something different in you. And the hope is that some of those differences are your priorities are different. What you want for your life and for your family and what you believe are different. And that is evidenced by, I really do believe, a slower life. And that doesn't mean that you won't have really busy seasons. And that won't mean that there aren't times that you need to put your head down and get it done. Because hard work and diligence and obedience are biblical. But if that is the theme of your life, if when people ask, how are you? It's, I'm so busy. I'm so tired. How do you look any different from the world? And I say that with all the love possible because these are the questions that we have been asking ourselves as a family for the last year. And for us, what was the tipping point was COVID, was they locked us in our homes and told us what to do. And we realized that we had spent most of our life doing what the government told us to do and doing what the world told us was right and was the measure of success instead of looking to God and asking him what it was. And I know that the COVID experience was a lot of people's wake-up call to a lot of things, but then what do we do with that, right? So if we have this wake-up in 2020 or even 2021, it's 2023, and things are maybe getting a little bit better. Again, we may be, you know, going into World War III and we're in a recession. Things are still rough, but COVID-adjacently, they've gotten a little bit better. Are there some changes you want to make in your life? Are there some things that you've been doing for the last three, five, ten years that now you realize aren't, they're not serving you? They're not serving what you actually want for your life, for your family, for your kids. And are there changes that you can make? Can you start saying no to things? Can you pull back on your schedule? Can you get off of autopilot? Can you get out of the hamster wheel and start living a life that's yours? that prioritizes what you and your family have decided are important rather than the world and the government? Can you start living a life that just looks different, that doesn't result in you just being exhausted all the time? And I don't have the answers. I can't answer that question for you. I can only tell you what my experience has been and share what we have done and hope it makes an impact. So hopefully this is helpful. Hopefully this asks some admittedly difficult questions, but gives you something to think about and chew on, talk to your loved ones about, and maybe we change culture by deciding not to fall in line anymore. Mm-hmm.